I am an artist living in beautiful Vermont, USA, and I have a lot of questions. So I engage the minds of the people that I meet, poets, writers, artists. I explore what's inside and share it with you. My name is Ricky McGeckrin, and I am eager to know. The theater world is colorful, diverse, and interesting. Not having personal experience in this area, I have lots of questions. Our guest today lives in the world of theater with experience in acting, script writing, directing, and more. At the time of this conversation, he was developing his play, In Kern's Eyes, performing April 2023 at Main Street Arts in Saxton's River, Vermont. I am pleased to share my conversation with Sean Roberon. I'm here with Sean Roberon, who is a overall theater guy, actor, director, writer. Um, you kind of do, do everything in theater. Yep, singer, everything. Oh, singer! I didn't. I didn't know that. Just not much of a dancer. That's about it. Okay. Not a triple threat. What about <laughs> co costumes? Are you involved in? Is that something you do there? Concept, but not the practical. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, I don't sew very well. All right. Well, I want to talk to you about your experience in theater, and then um, ultimately I want to talk about why theater would be important to anyone that's listening to this podcast. So let's start with you telling me how you got into theater. I know that we've, we've talked about this, and you mentioned that you uh, – got kind of activated around theater in high school mm -hmm. and I know that you were in sports and so tell me about how that all happened. Yeah in uh, eighth grade I started doing football for the first time and I got into it. I'd always kind of been doing some sports in school and then um, saw a play in eighth grade uh, by a theater group that was in the high school and thought it was really cool. Told my mother about it who then said, okay, go and do that. Go try that out. Try out for the next one. So I showed up to the next auditions. Uh, they were doing The Crucible, tried out, got the part of John Proctor, and thought that was wonderful, started doing it, and then um, ended up leaving sports because, you know, coach screaming in my face about the fact that I was cutting my time between theater mm. and sports, and I was just like, ah, this is not worth it. Yeah. And so I just left and just kept doing theater. When you were in eighth grade and you saw, what was the performance that they were doing that you saw that got you interested? Do you remember? No. Okay. Do I you don't. remember what it was? Like, what was it that you felt that made that was interesting? I assume you were experiencing something that you had never experienced before. Right. What was that? Um, I think the experience was uh, seeing the accessibility of it for one thing. I, I guess I always thought of theater outside of school, somewhere else, having to go and do that. But the fact that it was happening right there uh, during the school assembly thing for this play really made me think like, well, this is something that I could just after school stay for and yeah. take part in. And um, it looked like something that a lot of people were enjoying together. Yep. Like the the actors and everybody on stage seem to be part of this community. And I just thought, 
well, I would really like a community. <laughs> and so I, when I auditioned and got the part, and then that's where I found some really great friends. So it was a sense of community. Oh, yeah. This reminds me, when I was, so the town that I grew up in, we had a middle school that was like 5 through 8, and then we had the high school that was 9 through 12. And our high school would put on a at least one theater production a year. And when I was in middle school, they, we would do a field trip to the high school <laughs> to see the dress rehearsal. Mm. And it was very exciting, and I would always look forward to it every year. And I couldn't wait to get to high school because I wanted to be part of theater. But that never happened for some reason. <laughs> I'm not really sure why I didn't be, become part of theater. But, um, but I kind of can relate to that. It was a, uh, and it was the sense of community that I could tell. Um, I had seen older teenagers, older kids, um, you know, in my neighborhood or what have you, but the dynamic that I was witnessing was very appealing and very interesting. So yeah. I, can, I can completely relate to that. Now I know that you do, let's talk about you as being an actor. Tell me about that experience and, um, why, and why that aspect of it, um, what about it you like? Oh, that's that's all the uh, the emotional experience that you get to have when you're on stage. Um, I'm not a method actor in the sense where you try to, uh, if I'm supposed to be an astronaut, I'm going to go live in a metal can for some number of months in order to get into the headspace of being a being an astronaut. But it's all about the imagination for me. But when I'm on stage, when I'm doing a play, I try to think of the what if and experience what the character is experiencing and think about the past as well like try to because everybody when we react to things it's all based upon past experiences and so mm -hmm. when I'm being a character I'm always reacting to you but it's based on something that's in my head but it's my character's thoughts of like how I feel about you based on something yeah. from the past so I'm that's where I usually try to put my headspace, and I, I love the emotional experience with the other actors and being able to do things and feel things and go through things that normally you don't in real life. Yeah. You're often told, be placid, be calm, everybody stay relaxed, nobody go off the rails, but in theater, those are the things that people wanna see when they yeah. come and see a play. They wanna see things that normally are not happening in real life, in their day-to-day -day life. And uh, it's wonderful to be able to go through that yourself. When, did someone teach you how to act in that you have to think about the, someone's past? Is that someone that is taught to an actor or is that something you figured out? Uh, a little bit of both. Like uh, When I was in high school, I was taught about different styles of acting but um, it wasn't until a little bit later uh, when I look up YouTube videos go on Google and search that I found all the different acting teachers that I really could connect to and that's where I'm now at where I say Sanford Meisner is like my main go-to when it comes to how to act and then Bertolt Brecht is my go-to when it comes to um, caring about the message that I'm trying to push inside of the story. And so the, it was a, a little compilation of both being taught by other directors about how to act, how to connect into things, but then also just doing my own research and spending my own time on it. 
Now, the idea of going into a character, it reminds me, that just sounds really interesting. And it sounds like an experience that most people don't get to have. Um, so I don't know if there's a question there. Oh, but yeah, that just, I can tell you an experience. That just sounds, yeah, go ahead. Uh, when I when I did Jesus Christ Superstar over in the Bells Falls Opera House in town here, um, I... Uh, I really got into that one every single night that we performed I would create a secret which is an important part from my point of view of being an actor is having a secret that nobody else in the show knows so then that way when you're interacting with them each time you rehearse each time you perform that secret inspires how you react to things without anybody else having to be connected to that. And then that ends up being something that people see, and but they don't know why you're doing what you're doing, but they see it and now meaning, they- Meaning the other actors. Yeah, the other actors. Okay. Now they can question that, but like they have to think about it from their character's point of view. Okay. Like, why is this person? So during the shows for uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, I would, like one night, I was really sad about having to sacrifice myself. Like I knew it was coming. And before the show began, I walked around and I gave everybody a hug. Like, uh, as I just, and people were kind of like, oh, hi, Sean. And I would just like come up, <laughs> hug them. And, and they didn't know why I was going through this. And then that night, um, before the show began, I just sat on the stage for about 10 minutes before anybody else really got there while it was still in the dark. And I looked at this cross that was set up there. And I ended up crying a little bit because I was thinking about the sacrifice, thinking about dying, thinking about how it had to happen and how it was necessary. And and so like I was thinking about that about myself and then like I cried a little bit before the show began and then and then the show began. And then that really um, affected my performance that night and how I interacted with everybody. But then on another night I was angry at everybody. So mm -hmm. like a lot of the plays, I'm reaching out, taking people's hands. But that night when I was angry with people for the sacrifice they had to give them, I would sometimes not even touch them. And right. uh, So this is the beauty yeah. of live theater. Oh, yeah. Is that you're getting something different every night. Yes. And, and the beauty of performing in live theater is it's a different experience every yes. night. I mean, I don't have any, any experience in, like, film or anything. But from what you're saying, you have to recreate it um, every night. Now, is it ever... All of these emotions that you're experiencing on stage, is it something that you leave on stage? Um, or do you leave the stage feeling sad or feeling angry? Um, can you compartmentalize this? I remember one time I was, uh, I saw this interview with Angela Lansbury and someone interviewed her about, I don't remember the performance, but it was a performance that was extremely emotional and they were talking about like how do you go home after that and she's like I'm a pro she's like I do it every night and at the end of it I because I'm a professional I'm able to I don't know what the word she used compartmentalize or what have you so what what about you um there's an exhaustion that can come with it just because of going through the turmoil that a character can go through or the physical exertion that happens but when it comes to character traits um, like making their way over into your day-to-day -day life like with method actors which I, I I'm not a method actor I don't particularly like method acting I don't think actors need to suffer in order to get into a character like that like to truly suffer as themselves 
Um, so for me, uh, sometimes my interactions with people backstage or while I'm at rehearsal with them will be like the way my character would interact with their character. And so sometimes people might connect that as if I'm bringing my character stuff into my real life. But if I'm not at rehearsal, if I'm not putting on the show, then those things aren't there. But because I'm often only Butcher, yeah. yep, I'm often <laughs> only with those actors when I'm at rehearsal or when I'm at the show, I've had people be a little concerned that like I think Sean hates me. Okay. Because my character hated their character and so like I had a child think that I despised them and it was only a couple years after the show that they found out, no, Sean doesn't hate you. Right. He he was just like acting. He right. was just doing his thing and everything's okay and so she was able to come back and be involved in stuff that I was doing because she was like oh it's just acting yeah do you think that and this is something we haven't pre talked about because um, I know people that do art therapy is that something that you have ever uh, talked about to people about using acting as a way of healing dealing processing yes I think that's one of the main reasons why I do theater Okay. Uh, as a director. As a director, meaning yeah. to help people. Right. Oh, so let's talk about being a director. <laughs> what is the role of a, there's the producer, there's the writer. What does the director at the highest, simplest level, what does the director do? The highest, simplest level of a director, and it's like directors will hate me for the saying this, but you're a glorified audience member. Okay. Um, your job is to sit there each rehearsal, each show, look at what the actors are doing, and then say whether you liked it or not. Okay. Like that's really what it comes down to. Because, yes, you're, you're there to tell the actors, oh, you can improve your acting this way. Here's some acting teachers. Here's techniques. Here's thoughts that you could have. Here's questions that I have about your character that you can now answer, and that will make you think about something to make choices. But in the end... You're an audience member that's getting to sit there every rehearsal, watch their show, and then give your subjective opinion as to what you thought was good, bad, or what was real versus not real. Um, and, and people will modify yeah. aspects in, or, or in order to suit y you, yes. so to speak. Okay. Now, how does this work with, if you have a play that was written by you know a playwright that's alive and you're putting it on for the first time um they they get are they involved in how you um direct it or do they just give you the script and you it's up to you to decide creatively how the audience should receive it if you hmm that's uh depends okay. on the script like if we're talking the crucible yep um, for instance, I won't be doing that play again until it enters the public domain. And the reason why is because I've done it a couple times already. And from now on, the show is the exact same way every time because of the requirements that the Arthur Miller like family, which owns the rights to The Crucible, require you to perform it oh so it's not even it's not just the script it's actually oh, yeah. other oh okay like interesting the, like, i didn't know that yeah like they uh they won't allow you to switch the time period because even though the crucible was written based on his experience in the 1950s during the red scare you can't set it during the red scare like, nope it's to be set uh during colonial america okay. 
uh, with uh, all these people and they're going through those experiences, you can't tamper with that. You can't tamper with the gender. You can't tamper with um, like really any aspect of the show. You have to try to perform it in its entirety as written. And what is that like as a director? Is that a good experience or is it just uh, it's a different experience than obviously when you have creative um, influence? Yeah. Is it, is it OK for you to do that? It depends. Okay. Uh, once again, with The Crucible, I've done it so many times now that if I were to just keep doing it, I would feel like I'm just beating a dead horse. Mm -hmm. I'm just without any ability to make modifications to the script in any way whatsoever. You're just doing the same show over and over again. Like, yeah, yeah new actors, and you can modify the set to be to have the chair over here instead of over there. But with a script like that, it's pretty strict in what they require you to stay true to in in every aspect of it. And I, I will wait until it's in the public domain now. So I've got like thirty years or something. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I'll keep an eye on you. Right. Uh, <laughs> but but other other writers are not as strict, and so it really depends on the company you're getting the scripts from, or if you have communication with the owners of it who can then give you those rights you can request it so it really depends now you're when you're a director you're working with a team of actors which means you have different uh i've never worked with actors so i'm assuming that there's different skill levels skill mm -hmm. types you know people are good at different things so you have to be really good with people mm -hmm. as opposed to just a creative person. Yes. Yeah. And there's many different ways to direct. And some yeah. some are more, all right, actors, do the things exactly the way that I described them uh -huh. and become like a machine where everybody fits into their cog and you've really micromanaged it in order to make sure that everything flows super smooth. Or there's directors that are very... Um, laissez-faire about it and want to make sure that the experience is easygoing or comfortable for the people involved and so you you work with them on growing individually as you're as you're trying to piece together each individual's parts as you see them come to life okay and so it just depends on the direction. makes sense sounds like a, uh similar to many other types of projects that you would be managing. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look at the arc of, uh, you know, you're initiating a, a play and then there's the opening night, is the opening night the big moment or is it the big moment? Is it enjoyable the whole time? Can you tell me about the, uh, the interest, enjoyability, the, you know, the emotional um, experience as a director throughout that whole arc? Yeah, the experience for me as a director, the entire experience really matters to me. Uh, I've I've joked around with people before, like people who know me know that I really like to watch others and see their reactions to things. I really enjoy seeing how people feel and, and react to things. And uh, one of my favorite moments in a play is actually during the cast party when the show's over um, it's all done. The stress is, whew, it's gone. And the actors are just sitting around eating food, hanging out together. I like to just find a corner to perch myself in and just mm. bask in them. Like, Isn't that interesting that yeah. that's, that's one of the... Yeah. Uh, the, the shining you know, moments yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah. Because it's just, 
you get to see them in that moment of community because they're no longer, you're not concerned about any of the actors being egotistical with one another. Um, nobody's trying to be superior to anybody else in the troupe because the show's over. There's nothing to compete yeah. in anymore. Yeah. Auditions are done. The roles are set, all that type of stuff. And so people are just happy that they succeeded in what they created, like together. And that togetherness is my favorite part of the show. That sounds like a wonderful experience. Yeah. Um, when you are, I know that you are currently working on a show that you wrote. Have you done that before? Or is this the first, you've done that before. Yeah, so tell twice. me about um, the experience of seeing something that was just created in your brain being performed. What is that like? <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy because even the play was written based on a song that I heard. And so uh, it's it was a, a song that I heard from the movie The Fountain, which then inspired the ending scene, which then made me write in reverse the play. Like I kept thinking what happened that led to the currently in my brain scene. And when I finally got to perform it with a group of children like a group of middle school and high school kids uh we performed it and it was it was really nice um to see that experience happen and then i rewrote it again um with some more characters involved a little bit more depth to it and then performed that in 2016 at the claremont opera house and that was great uh, each time that it's happened it feels like well, this is one step closer to what I had in mind. Mm. And and then during the pandemic, I wrote it in, in a book format, like just wrote it all out and, uh, and then rewrote the play based on the book. So it's the most in-depth it's been. It's very, uh, I feel like it's done, like that the play is not going to need to be rewritten anymore. And there'll be edits to formatting and things like that, but the actual story itself is where I want it to be and uh, I am thrilled to be able to finally make this happen with the cast that we have. As a creative person that sounds like a wonderful, I mean I'm a painter so it's just me and the I, when I have something in my head and I'm able to get it on a canvas obviously that is thrilling and having people connect with it but something where it is a performance on stage with music and costumes that sounds like that must be a very um, creatively fulfilling experience. Let's talk about how um, we think that theater can help anyone. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the things that you mentioned was, you know, acting is something, you know, we talked about art therapy, something like that. Um, community theater is, I assume, in most communities, so people potentially would have access to it. What other ways would people being part of community theater or theater be helpful other than you know not just acting there's other things right. you can do um when it comes to being helpful for an individual if you're trying to figure out who you are theater is a wonderful way for you to experience other people's lives mm -hmm. in order to then learn from them yourself and say oh i i care about this now mm -hmm. or I do feel a little bit like this or wait I hated that and so you get to learn about yourself through the experiences that these characters but do you have. think anyone can do that or do you think you have to be a certain type of person I think anybody can because even if you're not 
like like me where you yeah. you try to think from your character's point of view even if you're just doing it on more of a surface level of creating a mask that you then perform with which is totally valid um you still have to think about um this information if you don't even think about it emotionally you have to think about what these characters go through that lead to where they are now and so it, even if you're thinking about it completely just logically there's information that you have to consider and those can still be lessons for you yeah this sounds like well it's making me want to try acting uh, i haven't acted since uh the in my fourth grade play when i was scrooge at a christmas carol but um, this makes me want to try acting. And it also, in the world where people are so looking at their phones and social media, we have all this stuff, this sounds like a great opportunity for people to get out of that mm. and get into something real, even though it's not real. But you know what I mean? It sounds like a wonderful opportunity for anyone. Well, I would, Even techies. Yeah. People who don't, who are too shy to get on stage understand if you tell a director that you know how to hit a nail with a hammer you know how to use a screw gun you know how to sew you know how to work with computers or projectors any of those types of things you know how to work with makeup they will latch on to you yeah and you are now like a unicorn to them like a mm. magical creature right. because techies are the the bread and butter of a show. Actors, they're everywhere. There's always someone who wants to be right. a star. But techies are those people that you cherish because they're coming out there with no hope to have a spotlight on them okay. because they're the one manning the spotlight. Okay. They're the only reason why those actors get to have their glory of a moment. Like and so there if you're a techie, if you're someone who knows how to do technical work of any kind, or even someone who has the desire to do the technical work, someone will teach you and you will be yeah. valued in your in your abilities that you want to bring to the table. And this goes back to what we originally talked about, both of our experience in when we were in eighth grade is this sense of community that we observed. And that's exactly what you're describing, whether you're an actor, a techie, whether you're costumes, uh, it sounds like a wonderful opportunity to grow and a sense of community. Um, Sean, thank you so much. This was great. You and I, have we, we work together uh, at Main Street Arts a little bit, so we talk all the time about stuff, but this was wonderful to have you here, and I appreciate you putting up with all of my questions. Oh, no, this, thank you for having you're me. Very, you're very welcome. Thank you. My name is Ricky McGeckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast. 